Mighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there is no God like you. Thank you for revealing yourself to us as Father and Son, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for giving us the scriptures so faithful and true to record for us uh, so many things through the years, through the prophets, so many things about Jesus, his life, his miracles, all the things he taught, what he did for us on the cross. God, tonight, that's our focus, the Last Supper and the preparation for Jesus going to the cross for us tomorrow. So Holy Spirit, come now, wherever we're listening, fill our, our vehicles, our homes, wherever we're listening, Lord, fill us in that area with your presence. We soften our hearts to you, we open our ears to you, we say, Lord God, come through your living word, have your way with us tonight. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Our opening song is going to be Beautiful Savior. Words are printed there if you can access those. Otherwise, hum along with me. With these Holy Week services, it's a little different order of service, so we basically dive right into the sermon now tonight. Tonight is kind of seen as a continuation of Ash Wednesday's service from weeks ago, so that's why we're already at the sermon time. We've been looking at different 
uh, specific things that Jesus accomplished for us on the cross on these Wednesdays in Lent. So tonight we're going to continue with that theme. We're going to start in Hebrews chapter 9. And the theme tonight of what did Jesus do for us on the cross, he gave birth to the church. And tonight we're going to link that up with the Last Supper and see in what way did Jesus give birth to the church? How did he purchase us that we could be a fellowship? Church is not the building here. When Jesus, when the Bible talks about Jesus giving birth to the church, the word is ecclesia. It's a wonderful word meaning the fellowship of the brothers and sisters in Christ who are part of the family. Okay? So we're going to dive right into Hebrews chapter 9. Pick it up at verse 18. We're going to be talking quite a bit tonight about covenants, old covenant and new covenant, and we'll see how that works out with Jesus purchasing and giving birth to the church. Hebrews chapter 9, beginning verse 18. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. So the first covenant, we would normally call that the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, goes way back to Mount Sinai and Moses and the Ten Commandments. So, so have that in mind now. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people. He sprinkled the people with the blood? Yes, he did. That's what he used, the hyssop. The hyssop is a a leafy green bush. And we now know, scientists now have figured out, that hyssop, why they use it in uh, healing for sprinkling people? You'd crush the leaves. uh, You'd crush them like with a hand grip. You'd dip the the branch in water, and then you'd sprinkle people with it. There are antibacterial properties in the hyssop bush, in the leaves. Now we know that. God knew that back then, obviously. So they would dip the hyssop branch in this, in this situation with water and blood mixed together, dip the branch, and then they would literally shake it and sprinkle the people with it. And so the people were literally sprinkled with the blood of calves and goats on this occasion. What's that all about? He's going to tell us here. He says, For when every command of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people. And here's what Moses said. This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent, the tabernacle that moved with them and housed the the Holy of Holies, the presence of God. He sprinkled the tent and all the vessels used in worship. So every single item, the people, the book of the covenant, the tent, the articles for inside the tent, all were cleansed symbolically by the blood of the sacrificial animals. Verse 21, And in the same way he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Now, I don't want to go too far. I do. I want to go really far with the blood. But we don't do that too much tonight. But this this understanding is that elsewhere, Scripture says, the life is in the blood. Well, we know the wages of sin is, on the other hand, the wages of sin is death. What's the antidote to death? 
Life is the antidote. Life is in the blood. So that's apparently why God decided to use blood of animals, innocent animals slain, so that their blood could cover and symbolically bring back to life the sinner. That's all training us, teaching us to be ready for understanding when Jesus dies on the cross, helps us understand why is he dying there? Why is his blood such a big deal there? Because it's innocent and it's perfect. Jesus' blood is the only perfect antidote to the, the death that comes by the wages of sin. Isn't that amazing? All these connections here, it's all coming together with Jesus on the cross. So he says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Well, that's the old covenant. Okay? Now jump to our main theme tonight, which is the Last Supper. So we're going to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, picking it up at verse 14. When the hour came, Jesus reclined at table and the apostles with him. And Jesus said to them, I have earnestly desired. Now the way that's worded in the Greek means, um, yeah, it's even more than earnestly. It's I have I have longed for this. I have desired it. It's the only thing I've really cared about today. That's how strong it is. I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you, my 12 apostles, before I suffer. Now, the Lord knows that this is his last meal on the earth. It's his last chance to be with his best friends, ministry companions, the ones he handpicked and chose. It's his last time with them. And he has longed for this meal with them for a long time. Verse 16, he says, For I tell you that I will not eat this meal again, this Passover meal, until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Now there's, usually we, we kind of sweep through, we run through this story, and we kind of miss that, I think, usually. Jesus says, I'm not going to eat this meal anymore, but I will eat it again when it's fulfilled in the kingdom. There's a feast, people, coming in heaven. When we all join Jesus with God in heaven, there's going to be a heavenly feast that will forever blow our minds. And Jesus will sit down and eat with us. In fact, the Bible says God is going to serve the meal to us, if you can imagine. So here in this meal, he says to the, the apostles, I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So that's a, a wonderful promise looking forward. Verse 17. So Jesus took a cup. Now in the Passover meal that the, the Jews celebrate together, there are four named and important cups. This is one of the early ones, probably the first one. He took a cup. When he had given thanks, he said, take this, divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So what's that tell you? Has Jesus had this meal or, or had a drink from the fruit of the vine yet? He's still waiting. We haven't joined him yet in that wonderful, um, great harvest at the end of time. Verse 19. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, this is probably the third cup, maybe the fourth, likewise, the cup after they'd eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you 
is the new covenant in my blood. Well, we just looked at Hebrews, right? And so we have an idea that the old covenant was inaugurated, started with the blood of calves and goats. Now we have Jesus saying, I'm starting a brand new covenant. What's new about this covenant? Well, the very first thing we know about it, it's new. It's not the blood of calves and goats. Now it's whose blood? This new covenant is birthed, it's started, it's inaugurated with the blood of Jesus. And Jesus says in communion, this cup, this cup is now my blood shed for you for this new covenant. So every time a believer has communion with the body and blood of Christ, we are again, we are celebrating and renewing and being blessed again by the new covenant Jesus made for us through his blood. Now the old covenant was keep the Ten Commandments, obey the Lord your God. Uh, when you sin, you must bring an animal and you must slit its throat before the priests, catch the blood and so forth and so on. That's the old covenant. This new covenant, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and allow the blood he shed for you on the cross to cover and pay for your sins once and for all. Which covenant would you like to live under? I think the new one's better. What do you think? This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So how do we know? We, we could stop right there and say, well, there it is. That's evidence that a brand new, um, a brand new church is being born. A brand new fellowship of believers in the blood of Jesus Christ for us is being born. And that would all be true. What well, wonderfully, the scripture nails it down for us. In Acts chapter 20, I'm going to go straight to verse 28. Acts chapter 20, I don't usually like to, to just cherry pick one verse. You can certainly read the context, but what we're doing tonight goes right to this verse. Now in, in Acts chapter 20, the apostle Paul is about to uh, depart from the leaders of the church in Ephesus. And Paul knows it's the last time he's ever going to see them on the earth. The, the Lord has told him this. And Paul knows, knows that he's going to um, a time of being incarcerated. He's going to be in prison. Then he's going to be under house arrest. And eventually he's going to die. He knows this is his last time. So he's giving parting uh, words of uh, command and encouragement to the leaders of the church in Ephesus. So that's what he's ending here with. Verse 28, he says to these leaders of the church, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So he says, I'm not going to be back here again. I've trained you up. You've grown up in Christ. Now I'm leaving you with this important responsibility. Take care of the people God has brought into your congregation. That's your solemn responsibility. What else does he say with that? He says, be care pay careful attention to yourselves, to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Now, that word obtained, we, we struggle to translate that from the Greek into our modern English. So to kind of flesh it out and, and broaden it out some more, we could say, Paul says, be careful to take care of the flock, care for the church of God, which he made and keeps for himself, made and keeps for himself with his own blood. 
So how did Jesus give birth to a new church, of, a new fellowship of people who were saved in God and uh, walking with God in life? He did that by purchasing us with his own blood. And here it says, he made this brand new fellowship of believers, made and keeps us for himself with his own blood. That's an amazing birth. We're still enjoying uh, the anniversary of that birth, right? Tonight is roughly the 2,000th anniversary of Jesus giving birth to the church by shedding his blood on the cross. That's why we do this Thursday and the Friday thing tomorrow night, uh, obviously commemorating the day he actually died on the cross. Sunday morning is when he rose from the grave. We're still rejoicing in how Jesus made and keeps for himself a new covenant, a new church of people, which he obtained with his own blood. And this is powerful and wonderful stuff. So as we conclude here now, I don't know, yeah, let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Just, uh, we've got lots of cake here. Let's put a little icing on it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, what holy places is he talking about? He's not just talking about the holy of holies. He's talking about the very holy presence of God himself. He says, we have confidence, yes, to enter into the holy presence of God himself. How do we have this confidence? We've been, been made fit to enter the holy presence of God by only one thing, by the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. And he says, verse 20, by the new and living way that he opened for us, the new covenant, right? There it is again, this new church, this new birth. By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain. Remember how at the moment Jesus died on the cross, Friday afternoon around three o'clock, at that moment the curtain in the temple tore from top to bottom. It was the curtain that kept people, kept everyone, including the priests, from coming into the holy of holies. The moment Jesus died on the cross, God ripped that curtain in half, threw the pieces to the side, saying, now you can come into my holy presence because my son paid the price for you. He's washed you clean and made you holy now by the blood he just shed for you on the cross. So that's what he's referring to here, right? The curtain. So let's go back, verse 20. By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a true heart in full assurance of what? How do you and I come into this covenant? How do we receive the benefits of it? How do we come into a relationship with Jesus where his blood is applied to our lives, we become clean, holy, can even come into the presence of a holy God? How do we receive that? All those wonderful things. He gives, how do we receive? We draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Faith is what receives and believes that Jesus is who he said he was, that he did what he said he would do on the cross, and then ultimately that he rose from the grave to be triumphant and victorious. All those things, people of God, are received by faith and faith alone. And God even gives that faith. 
So if you have that faith tonight, rejoice and thank the Lord God and keep that faith. Keep it. Walk with him every day. Pray. Read the scriptures. Grow that relationship with him. If you've never, ever received Jesus and all he's done for you, if you've never come into faith and grabbed a hold of it yourself, right now is a wonderful time. Say, Jesus, this stuff, it's so amazing. I, I, I admit that I don't comprehend the whole thing, but I have a sense that I can hear the truth. I can feel the truth of it. Receive him now. It's pretty simple. Something like this. Lord Jesus, um, I need covering. I need payment. I need cleansing for my sin. I know I've fallen short. I know I've had thoughts that weren't pleasing to you, thoughts that were ugly, self-serving. I know I've, I've said things that, I, that never should have passed my lips. I know I've done things that I never should have done. I even know that there are good things I should have done and I didn't. All these things are failures and they're sins and they fall short. I fall short. Jesus, I'm, I'm coming to the knowledge tonight that I really need forgiveness. I need cleansing. I need somebody to pay the price for me. And I'm hearing tonight that you did that for me by dying on the cross willingly for me. You told the apostles at that last supper that your blood was part of a new covenant, a new promise, and that your blood was going to uh, forgive and wash their sins away forever. One sacrifice for all time. So Jesus, I need you. I need your sacrifice. I need your blood. I believe in you. I ask you now to cleanse me with your blood. Save me with your blood now and forevermore. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your embrace. Thanks for saving me. Keep me now. As your word here says, uh, you bought me and you keep me in your blood. Keep me, Lord Jesus, from this moment now until you bring me home to you face to face. Thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' precious and wonderful name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen.